Hey kids! <laughs> You're about to listen to a comedy podcast. That means that oh, none of this is medical advice. So if you need you know, medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Welcome to the Jock Doc Podcast featuring Dr. London Smith. Sit back and get loose with Dr. L and his produce. Producer, introducing your host, Dr. London Smith. Hello, and welcome to the Jock Doc Podcast, where we discuss fitness and health, and how to incorporate our modern understanding of science and medicine into our daily lives, but without it being so boring. I'm your host, Dr. London Smith. Com. I would like to begin by apologizing to our listeners. We've received some feedback about the overuse of technical medical terminology, such as exertional heat stroke and frappuccino. So I'll try to temper my terminology to a simpler one in the future. Here to help with that is our producer, Cameron. Hello, 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 Dr. London. I'm in a good mood today. Okay. Is, Is there a particular reason for that? I am excited to make new friends today. And I woke up today and I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm tired of my old friends, which is, I mean, for the, it's, for the most part, it's you. Yes. And uh, then a series of kind of destructive gurus. Um, but, I, you know, I thought today I'm going to make some new friends and I'm excited about that. Okay. Well, so you think of us as friends. I, I think of you more, like not to be rude or anything, I think of you more as just a, a, an associate, a business associate, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you called your business associates after you went on a weird date and cried. I didn't realize that was something you did. Wow. I thought that was something you would do to your friends, but apparently I was wrong about that. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you were. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's nice. But anyway, I'm here. I want to make new friends today. And one thing that sort of frustrates me about the medical community and even the, the podcasting community is that I feel like sometimes it an alienates people who uh, might politically disagree with one another. You know what I mean? And that's not what this show's about. We're a non-political show. We don't usually go down that avenue. So in order to make new friends and to, to open this podcast up to sort of a, a, a new group of people... I am am going to make this an extremely pro gun podcast, violently pro gun podcast. I'm sorry, you're you are going to make this a very pro gun podcast. I don't see how that's. I, I mean, it's you know we have those listeners. And so, oh, by by opening up our arms a little bit to these audiences and and not just being like oh i want a specific type of person i don't i don't want a person who might disagree with me and so to make this show a little more um pleasing to that kind of crowd we're gonna be playing noises like this throughout the show okay hopefully people who love these kinds of sounds and maybe get excited by these kind of sounds and and hear these things and say oh i wish i was there i wish i was the part of that now this podcast is for those people you have been nagging at me for um you know not appealing to every crowd so i guess this is this part of that campaign to really be specific and appealing to so yes to the lovers of guns out there yeah this is this is casting a wide net 
you know, it, it's it's saying that there's lots of room under under these tree branches for everyone. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, also with us is Digital in the House. You're about to listen to a very pro gun podcast. You're about to listen to a very pro gun podcast. A very pro-gun podcast? Yeah, yes. tells me that we can expect a special guest. So look forward to that. Before we move on, I would like to address a bit of listener feedback. I found this note written on a post-it that was attached to a nail that had been stabbed into me during my weekly evening gentleman's fight club match. The note reads, quote... Other than my brother Keith, who died in a car wreck, we never wore seatbelts and we turned out fine. The only belt we needed was the whooping belt. R.I.P. Keith, 1952 to 1971. End quote. First of all, I would like to thank you so much for your insightful question here on the Jock Dog podcast. We, we love to hear back from our listeners. Yes. Uh, to answer your question, though, seatbelts actually do you know, famously save lives. Yes. And I'm sorry to hear about your brother, Keith. Yes. Uh, hopefully, we can all display some learning from such mistakes by going ahead and wearing seatbelts uh, while we were using automobiles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't sound like they made a mistake, or they don't feel like they made a mistake. They're just saying, you know, stuff happens sometimes. Completely unavoidable. Well, it sounds to me like it was pretty avoidable if they just worn a seatbelt. Well, the only reason you think that is because you're obsessed with strapping people down. Isn't that what you doctors do? You bring people in on a on a stretcher and they're strapped down and they're saying, what, what are you doing to me? Let me go. Let me go home. And you're like, no. I, I feel like I'm not usually like that. I've had a lot of experience with you doctors and every single time it that's exactly how it ends up. Even if I'm going to like the podiatrist or something. Somehow, I end up strapped to a stretcher, and I'm screaming, let me go, let me go home. Well, so if you are going there and becoming violent, no matter where you are, there's a fair chance that you will be subdued to some extent. You're just, just, just say, you're just obsessed with belts. Let's just leave it at that. I, 
I guess you like you like belting people down, and so you hear this thing. You're like, oh, uh, strapping someone to their car seat where they can't, you know, like be free, or you know, if they want to do cool stuff, like maybe like you know, like stick stick their body halfway out the window while they're driving and like wave to like some cool girls or something. Hmm. I I can't help but, but feel you, like you would rather people don't do that. So you think even for car seats, this rule shouldn't apply of wearing seatbelts? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, no, I'm I guess... just up. I'm for like no rules. Yeah, I I just feel like maybe this rule is there to help people. Does that make sense? Well, so I've become sort of a rebel recently. This just happened, like two weeks ago. Wow. So I decided to start being a little bit more of a rebel. So sometimes I do stuff now, like I'll go to the grocery store. Most of my rebellion is grocery store related. And I'll sort of just like knock stuff off the uh, shelves or, um, you know, I'll yeah, you were, I'll you use called like me a about Sharpie that. and I'll like write a different expiration date on on different items than what's printed on there and people are like oh should i believe what's printed on there or what's sharpied on there by some guy anyway i'm just sort of in a phase of my life where i'm just really anti rules at all so that includes seat belts that includes seat belts on planes that includes like seat belts when you're like doing like like boating yeah well do you um so two weeks ago, you said, what, is there anything that happened two weeks ago that triggered your rebellious state? Yeah, I, so I knocked some stuff off the shelves at the grocery store, um, but this time was on accident. And I knew that the rules stated, the rules that, us, that society has tried to get me to follow, they, you know, they point a finger at me and they say, you should pick that up. You knocked it on the ground. You pick it up. And I thought, no. Okay, so that's... You, you you knocked something off a shelf and then said no to picking it up and you liked that feeling. Yeah. And that was like, okay. that was the first rebellious thing I'd ever done. And it felt, I mean, Dr. London, I'm not going to lie, it felt good to be bad. Wow. Well, that's, you, you know, I've heard that some some ladies are actually, you know, attracted towards uh, the quote, bad boy. Yes. End quote. So you a bad bad boy with a machine gun maybe? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but maybe. Well, in any case, we can just go ahead and move on. Now for today's medical lesson, exudative pleural effusion. A pleural effusion is a buildup of fluid between the tissues that line the lungs and the chest. An exudative pleural effusion is when there is inflammation of the pulmonary blood capillaries, which makes those more leaky. The larger spaces in the capillary walls allow for fluid, immune cells, and large proteins such as lactate dehydrogenase, or LDH, uh, to leak out of the capillaries. The causes of exudative pleural effusion can vary, but include you know, trauma, malignancies like cancer, uh, inflammatory conditions like lupus, or an infection like pneumonia. And if it's caused by an infection, then that bacteria can actually get into the pleural space to such a degree that it acts like an abscess with fibrinous walls and loculations. And if exudative pleural effusions are left untreated, they can lead to empyema, which is when there is pus within the pleural space. As gross as that sounds. But what if that's... Uh, clinically... This is... the 
this is where I've got to I've got to chime in a little bit. I think okay. one thing that we've learned a lot in the last few years, just as a society, is that the medical system's views of almost everything are extremely limited. Right? I think we can all agree on that, just kind of yes. universally. Uh, well, so I based on data. So, well, so you present this scenario and you say, if you don't want, like, you know, bags of fluidy pus, then don't do X, Y, and Z. But you're not even asking the patient or asking people if that's what they want. Yeah. You don't think there's one person out there who wants, like, a big, like a big old bag of juicy pus? I guess because, well, we haven't gotten to the symptoms yet, but, um, you know, it's usually not pleasant for the patient to have that, which is why we... What is a beautiful woman's breast, if not a giant, giant bag of pus? And we as a society view that as beautiful. Well, it isn't... Uh, uh, it isn't beautiful? Well, it... it a, a breast is not filled with pus. That would be a sign of an infection. No, uh, fatty breasts have a lot of fat in them. If that's what you meant, adipose tissue. Wow. So, but I, I see where you're coming from. That maybe at a glance, since they're both like whitish material, can have some chalkiness to it sometimes. That maybe that's the similarity. But they they do differ in terms of you know what the material that makes them up. If that makes sense. It doesn't. But I think the point is, is that like, let people choose. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, so to, to move on to sort of the reasons why you might not want pus-filled lungs, uh, clinically, patients may be asymptomatic, and this is for an exudative pleural effusion, so it's before the, 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 the pus happens. Uh, so they may be asymptomatic, or they could have shortness of breath on exertion, peripheral edema, or difficulty breathing while lying down flat. Uh, or orthopnea. Um, on exam, these patients may have signs such as dullness to percussion, decreased breath sounds over the effusion, and decreased tactile fremitus. And that's, of course, when the physician feels in the patient's back while the patient speaks uh, to feel for a difference in vibrations due to conduction from the fluids therein. Diagnosis can be made with x-ray, chest x-ray, uh, typically revealing a blunting of the costophrenic angle though about 250 milliliters of pleural fluid must accumulate for it to be seen with this imaging modality. A CT scan is better for detecting effusions. And if the etiology is not obvious, a thoracentesis can be done, which can provide valuable clinical information and also allow drainage relief for large effusions. Exudative pleural effusions, as opposed to um, transudative, they're, they're not as clear in appearance, the fluid. Uh, and in terms of laboratory values, the light criteria is often used. So according to the light criteria, a pleural effusion is considered exudative if the ratio of pleural fluid protein to blood serum protein is greater than 0.5, uh, if the ratio of pleural fluid LDH to serum LDH is greater than 0.6, or if the pleural fluid LDH is more than two-thirds of the upper limit of normal LDH levels in the serum. Although it isn't part... Or if the patient wants to. Okay, well, so so this isn't a, a matter of choices. Whether to do it. This is what I I, this this is what I'm talking about, which is giving right. patients options and choices, as opposed to being told what to do by you know big government and know-it-alls who always try to tell me what to do at the doctor. 
Right. Okay, so um, although it isn't part of the light criteria, an additional feature of exudative pleural effusions is that they typically have a pleural fluid cholesterol level of over 45 milligrams per deciliter. Uh, treatment of exudative pleural effusions is with diuretics and sodium restrictions, along with the aforementioned uh, thoracentesis, though treatment of the underlying cause remains paramount because, as I mentioned, that can be cancer. So that's, you know, something to consider. If the patient wants cancer. Again, why not give people the options for these kind of things? To, to have I think it's cancer wrong for doctors that. to sort of spring cancer on people. Yeah. Do you think that a patient would want cancer? No, I think most people would opt out of it. That's why you should give them the option. Okay. Sometimes choice. Well, it, it's it's all right. We can we can move on from there, I guess. All right, Cameron. Uh, you said that we had some guests today. Is that right? That's right, Doctor London. Not just one. But two very, very, very special guests. And I do, before you even think about asking, because I look at that glimmer in your eye and it's already pissing me off a little bit. Yeah. Just because I say that the guests are special people and they're talented people and they're awesome people, that does not mean that they are the special, awesome, talented Shaquille O'Neal. Just because he is a very special person who is very tall and can dunk very hard, just that doesn't mean that no one else can be special. You understand that, right? Because this, I'm tired of explaining this. Well, I mean, it's not Shaquille O'Neal. And so you you checked on that. You're you're sure. I know for a fact that it's not Shaquille O'Neal. Like I know it's not. Aww. And I'm so it pisses me off that I have to even explain this every single time now. Well, I. I, I I guess I'll take your word for it. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. It could be. It could be Shaq. Uh, yes. Uh, hello there. So my name is Dr. Lennon Smith. Dot com. Uh, and this is my producer Cameron. Welcome to the Jock Talk podcast. Uh, well, what were your names? Uh, it's Janet Montgomery. Okay. And yours? Hi. My name is Luna. Just Luna, like. Is it? Just Luna, like share kind of thing just luna one one word Did she you doesn't lose like your to talk about it point? oh it's private okay no 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 no. That. i think no. more people should sir keep... you misunderstand she doesn't like to talk about the fact it's just one name Aww. okay so just bringing it up at all i'm i'm very sorry i didn't realize that this was going to be such an issue um but you can just call me luna though okay so that's that's permitted. Okay. Well, Luna and uh, Miss Janet Montgomery, what brings you on the podcast? Janet over here is actually a colleague of mine. Uh, we co-wrote a book. It's a therapy book because we're both therapists. Okay. Wow. That's a great branch of medicine because often we, as physicians, will send people off to get therapy, mm-hmm. but we don't often get to hear directly from the therapists themselves. So this will be, I, I assume it'll be an enlightening it'll be experience. And trust me, Dr. London could benefit from finally talking to a therapist. We've done these group therapy mm. sessions before, and he barely says well, anything. Okay, that was a patient. The He's on his phone call the whole time. And that, like it's a medical emergency. You just need therapy, is what it is. A generally agreed upon opinion. Have you read our book? Nope. I have. Um, and so, yes, for our, for our listeners, uh, they've, 
come out with this great book. It's Jenna Montgomery and Luna present um, how to. It's a how to. And that's sorry, how to colon. It's a how to. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, anyway, the, the title to me sounded a little bit ambiguous. You know, you know, we have gotten that comment, and it's actually kind of the point. It's kind of like with the human brain, we just want to, like, grab the attention. And if you don't know what this book is about, and you see that title, you're just going to be drawn to it immediately. And then it's just like that. We're trapped. You're trapped. We have you. Is that is that kind of how you see your clientele and your patients that you're trapping them? I definitely think for my patients that they are trapped. See, and this does go along with what I was saying earlier, Dr. London, about how doctors of all sorts of different fields, whether it be hospital medicine or whether it be mental health, are very, very interested in trapping their patients, possibly strapping them down. You know, that that actually brings up a good point. Strapping is a big part of therapy, of the type of therapy that I do. Um, sometimes it's things that you like strap down. Sometimes it's things that you might strap on. Right. So yeah, I remember. And I, I, so whenever I say that I read the book, it was more like I kind of, you know, I, I skimmed it. Um, but yeah, I remember, uh, chapter 40 was just entitled strapped. And you talk about, uh, strapping food items to yourself and, could you, could you go into a little bit about how you use food and str- strapping it upon yourself as therapy? Um, I, I have to cut in. That must have been your chapter, Luna. Oh, yes. Yeah. But you did one similar, uh, not strapped, but being trapped. Trapped. So did y'all yeah. not like read each other's but chapters? What is being it was just, strapped you just went chapter. on your own and I have and to did admit, them? I didn't actually read your chapters. Did you guys read each other's chapters when you co-wrote or did you just alternate chapters? We alternated chapters. I know what my so chapters you don't, are. So neither of y'all know what's in half yeah, the book. Yeah, I mean, apparently. So it's when about you, therapy. So when you went to your publisher, was your problem that you only knew one publisher between the two of you? Or only one of you felt like, you only no, felt like no. writing half a book? Listen, we went to our separate publishers. We had two separate books, but we decided it would be better to collaborate. So we just alternated every other chapter. My chapter one is her chapter one, and then her chapter two is our chapter two, and we just switched back and forth. And that made our book. We published it, like, ourselves. Okay. Yeah, and... You know, that's, I kind of like that. It's a very artistic and very creative way to go about the writing process. Okay. You know what I want to know? I want to know what Luna wrote about. I'm very curious what fruit is being strapped and why. Well, and I don't mean to quote your own book to you, but that was chapter 40. Uh, Yes. And so, okay, well, I, I mean, so if I remember correctly, you had... Some of the books seem to get into some types of therapy that I'm not as familiar with. Uh, you know, I'm used to more, I don't know, uh, like there's uh, psychoanalytical therapy. There, there are these different kinds, cognitive behavioral therapy. 
And this book seemed very focused on physical acts that you do with another person or thing. Did you only read the even chapters? I I was skimming through them. The but type of therapy that I practice is actually a long, long used um, tradition between humans of all like races and colors and animals. Wow. Okay. It's just all about like. And this is the kind of big tent stuff I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are, you know. We want to be your friend. We want you to be a listener of the show. And maybe we want to we want to work with uh, with with uh, Luna here. Yeah, I mean, I offer really great work. I'm very hands on with my therapy. Okay. What? So what? What's like, going on? What is your therapy? Sex therapy, <laughs> like gender therapy, right? Well, so, so she's like a no, like the birds and the bees. So, so you, no, no, you refer to each other as colleagues, and you don't know what type of therapy. Luna We're does. sex slash gender therapy, the same thing. Gender, okay. Gender therapy, okay. It, sex therapy is synonymous with gender therapy. Okay, so this is the type of therapy where. Okay, I guess I don't. Okay, I don't talk anything about intercourse. It, yeah, it sounds like Luna. What are you talking about then? The type of therapy that I do and give, it's completely sexual. Um, and, and when you say that, um, because, cause, okay, another th- thing I've heard of, I'm sorry to interrupt here, mm-hmm. but so, so I've heard of like a sex therapist and people who are having trouble with their romantic lives privately, their, their intimacy issues. They'll have a particular therapist that they'll talk to about that and they'll, they'll t- explain tips things to help them no that's what i do okay but i just show them because that's how you really learn you know like hands on gotta get in there get your hands dirty kind of learning therapy and see i have talked about this before on this podcast that i certain people are different kind of listeners some people when they read it they get it some people just really need to get in there and see it all for themselves Yes, thank you. Thank you for hearing me. This is very disturbing for me. And so to get back to that chapter you talked about, so... Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's my phone. Um, I do apologize. I have to get going. I There's a client with an emergency. A sex therapy emergency? Yes. It is 11 o'clock at night. No, that's uh, that's fine. Thank you for your time. We we appreciate having you on. Yeah, I trust my colleague uh, Janet here will speak on both of our behalves. I appreciate you. Go to your appointment. All right. Well, um, Luna Luna left. But can I just say now? Don't tell her I said this, but I think that she sleeps with her clients. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, I, but when her phone rang, it said Mr. Petey on it. No, it didn't. And I, I felt like that's probably not like a 
like someone she knows in a professional and context. You, and so I, I definitely raised some did, questions. Did you see how much lipstick she put on before she left? And she even asked, she said, is this enough? And I said, yes. And then she put on more. Wow. Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, well, because what I'm thinking is, so you guys co-wrote a book together, even with the alternating chapters. And in any of that process, you never questioned whether, you know, you're on the same page. You know, she said stuff. She said stuff like intercourse and penis and vagina and all that kind of stuff. But do you know what? I, I never understood her to say she was talking about sex. Like, when we talk about gender studies, we talk about the penis, we talk about the vagina. Well, okay, and this is kind of a family show, so we are going to... Okay, just, sorry, to paint the picture for you, and I didn't realize we would have to clarify this, what, what normally happens, as far as I understand from our analytics, is that the whole family, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, everyone gathers around the phone... As it plays the podcast. This podcast. Th- this podcast, yes. Good, good, good. Okay. So penis and vagina. These are the terms that the whole family knows. I'm not using explicitives. Okay. Yeah, that is true, Dr. London. That's okay. You make a fair fair counterpoint. Um, anyway, so so back to you. you Why are you so book? uncomfortable with the words penis and vagina? Well, it's just one of those things where, like, that's, you know, sort of a, 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 you know, like, it'll explain it to a patient or something, but, like, not really. Right, uh, you're a doctor, so you can say these words. I am a doctor. I can say these words. Yes. Okay, so you're a doctor. Did we not already talk about this? Therapists are doctors. It's a really important part of medicine. Yeah, Dr. London, why are you trying to be so insulting to our guest? Questioning her credentials. Yeah, I'm sorry, you just... I think what we have what we have here, I mean, is a very very creative way to write a book with a colleague, which has unfortunately led to a misunderstanding. But you know, I think maybe you're looking at this the wrong way. You're thinking, "Oh, I can't believe that she is a sex therapist, sort of the other meaning of sex." But what if now your book offers both flavors of the word sex? You know what I mean? You read one chapter, you get the clinical, you get the scientific. Then you read the next chapter, it's all smut, baby. It's just erotic. It's basically just like going nuts. Is this the therapy you need? Is those two things? Yeah. But if my understanding is correct, it alternates chapters on a completely different subject. I just, I think that's interesting. So, you know, we kind of established earlier that Luna had the uh, even number chapters, you had the odd number chapters. So chapter one, your choice of an opening. So you go on a long discourse about how you don't believe in medicine when i say i don't believe in medicine you know i just mean in the traditional sense like how they used with the dinosaurs and you know the people in the caves yeah just in the traditional sense just old traditional sort of ice age medicine exactly. which we it's incorrect I get, okay because admittedly that is that was a confusing chapter for me because for me I, my first thought, whenever I think of medicine in general, I don't think of the Ice Age. Don't you? 
No, I think of modern medicine. What do you do when you break something? Uh, like a dish? Yeah, London. Like a bone? Okay, well, it depends on the type of... Let's know, just art. say, you know, your old school kids break, they broke their arm, you go to the doctor, what do they do? It, well, once again, so it depends on the type of fracture. You know, if it's open, you have, if you have to reduce it, you have, if you have to go in for surgery. They put it in a cast. Exactly. And what do you think they did in the caves? They wrapped that stuff up and put it in a cast. Okay. So you're saying, I mean, you don't believe in that. Correct. Correct. So, so let's say in your hypothetical, let's say it's not an open fracture. And you, you, it, the correct thing to do in this hypothetical, by my standards, would be to wrap it in a cast. What would be your approach? They need to put, so, okay, there's different flavors. We've got purple and green and blue. When you said we have different flavors, I thought you were going to say like, you know, like different avenues of thought, but no, you mean literal flavors. No, no, no. Listen, please. Okay. I'm sorry. And flavors of purple, blue and green and yellow. And these are all the flavors of these like oily substances they're kind of like oil. They're not quite oil, but they're kind of like oil. And you actually put the different colors on different ailments, and it cures you. You don't wow. need a cast. You don't need any of that splints and stuff. Just need a couple of oily substances. Oily like yeah, they're don't, not oil. You did. I've been saying stuff like this for a long time. That not not that I know any idea about these oils. This is all. This sounds like a medical miracle to me. What you're talking about. I'm very interested in this. But just that what Dr. London is constantly selling us. I mean, even you talk about a cast. Is that not just wrapping your arm in toilet paper? Isn't that the exact same thing? It's the and exact sorry, same thing. But that's that's not how things are healed. I'm so glad you understand. And I have always said that I do think that things are healed through different types of goos, which is very similar to oils. You know, that could be an oily substance. We could look at the bylaws and it might pass. Sorry, bylaw. Okay, so what you're describing with the colors and everything, with the flavors, it sounds kind of like the, the medieval understanding of medicine with the humors. Um, and so in, so in the Ice Age, are you saying that you, you don't believe in the Ice Age medicine, but you do believe in medieval medicine? I'm sorry, what did jokes have to do with this? H- humors? Oh, jokes? So, yeah, Dr. London. Hey, why don't you actually take your job seriously for a second instead of, you know, playing the class clown? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. You know what? Uh, if you want to go on, I just... Whenever you describe matching colors to ailments, that's sort of reminiscent of... I, I feel like we're getting getting way right, right, okay, off topic good here. Point. I want to, I want Doctor Janet. I I want to know. We're talking about this book, and you're talking about the common misconceptions of believing anything doctors have to say. And you know that's that's the base premise, but that is not the climax. I want to know. I want to know in your book about sex, gender studies. What does your book tell us, and what do you know that doctors yeah. don't? That these stupid-ass doctors with their old-school wow. ways are hiding from us? Yeah, so to begin with, like, gender, not a thing. Oh, so you lean more towards the 
like non-binary, like it's fluid. That's still a label. So you think that they're... Oh, you're just saying the word doesn't exist. The concept. And the word, for that matter. So you you don't believe in the concept of gender. Yeah. But you're a gender therapist. Right. They need to know that it does not exist. It's it heals people. Real. It frees them. Like I said earlier, they're trapped. I free them from gender. That does make sense. She did say that. It makes that much sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's say someone is interested in your book. Well, why, why would someone be interested in your book? You say it'll free them from these constraints of their concept of self within their gender identity. You're saying a lot of stuff and you're just doing what all of the doctors do. They say a bunch of words and they make it all colorful and they don't actually say anything. They're trying to bog you down with legalese. Right. And with this, this kind of jargon to confuse you. It's like they have a whole other dictionary. Hey, speak English. Say what we're all thinking. This is America. This is America. And sorry, to our listeners in other countries, um, I, this may also uh, apply to you. We- Damn right, America. Okay. Well, so this has been good. This has been good. I want to hear just real quick the these different colorful oils that you've been collecting. Where Where are you getting them from? So if you want purple oil, you can find anything that is purple. You dip it in this oily substance. Again, it's the special oily substance. You have to buy it on Amazon and it's $50 per ounce, but you get 200 ounces of it. You dip anything purple in it, leave it overnight, pull the thing out in the morning. The oil is purple and it is ready to fix broken bones. Okay. So any any of your oils that you use to heal people is just this one type of oil. I'm sorry, you, you didn't clarify. What is the oil that you order? It's not, it's not actually oil. It's an oily substance. And you order it on Amazon. You type in oily substance in parentheses, not oil, and then hit search. Okay, so you don't know the name of it. You just know what you search. No, that's the name. Oily substance, not oil. In parentheses. Okay, and so... That result. It seems like you're not even paying attention, Dr. London. Here she is. Right. She's telling you everything about her field that she's clearly worked a good chunk of her life doing. And all you can do is is not even listen. Yeah. Like, I spent the entire last seven days building this practice from the ground up. And it's mm-hmm. like you won't even take five minutes to listen. That is so much of my life that could just be wasted on deaf ears. Okay, so uh, I didn't realize you just started all this a week ago. Well, just the oily stuff. Maybe this is a good time to go ahead and wrap things up a little bit. Not until you tell me you'll try them. Just try the oils, Dr. London. The blue one would do wonders for you. Uh, I really think you could use a yellow, don't you think, with the blue? You know, I think that would go really well. If we could blend them, like, before application, make them green. Application? Ooh. I, so I'm not wounded. Yeah, what does, he, does he drink it, or he's, does he no. dump it on his head? You know, he's about to drink it, and he really shouldn't. 
Okay, okay, good. I'm sorry, but you have to take your shoes and your socks off, and you have to dip both big toes in, fully submerged, no other toes, no other part of your foot, just the big okay. toe. That sounds easier and safer than what I thought, assuming this isn't some type of like, you know, acidic or extremely basic product. And honestly, Dr. London, it's really rude to call our guest products basic. So not basic. Okay, so anyway, we'll we'll try this. Socks off, shoes off. Okay. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. You need to clip your toenails first. Okay, well, I, I do apologize. I didn't expect to be in this kind of situation. We've been kind of in lockdown. I've been wearing shoes all the time. Anyway, um, so it sounds like this could actually wait really anyway thank you to our guests uh janet montgomery i guess dr janet montgomery i'm sorry what, what was your doctorate in oh i think we're done i think the show is over okay okay uh so this is doc, uh dr janet montgomery as well as um luna who was here earlier unfortunately she had to go to her medical th- therapy session emergency therapy session she had to go see yeah mr pd at our emergency right sex therapy session all right uh this is our producer cameron thank you to digital in the house this is america this is america this is america this is america My name is Dr. London Smith, Darkcom, and this has been the Jock Doc Podcast. See you. Strapped. Strapped. Strap on. Damn right, America. Damn right, America. Damn right, America. An explosion, followed by a puff of smoke, pops up in the distance. Oh no. You begin to run towards it, slowly at first, but faster and faster as your mind continuously whips up worst-case scenarios. You leap over rocks and scramble through loose pebbles in this desperate race against time. Entering the surrounding wooded area, a tree branch snags your jacket and you allow it to be pulled off as you tear ahead. You see light shining through the thicket and you push through to the edge of the clearing. Oh no, they really did it. You were sure that they had been bluffing, but it really happened. They managed to combine all of the fireworks into one giant one by deftly taping them all together, and then they lit it without you. Speaking of a dazzling display, don't forget to leave a five-star review of the Jock Doc podcast in which you share about how your friends decided to have fun without you. And while you're at it, go ahead and share the Jock Doc podcast with a friend or foe. You can send them a link to your favorite episode or just send them our handy website, jockdocpodcast.com. And don't forget to take a peek at our posts on social media. We are at Jock Doc Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.